2: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, you are listening to a Radiligion Broadcasting premiere Podcast. Damn you, Hollywood! And here's your host, Robert Winfrey. Yay! Yay!
3: Jazz <laughs> hands. Hello, everyone. We're coming to you on more of an early morning episode here of Damn You, Hollywood. Today, I'm Robert, and if I'm a little lethargic, blame insomnia. Because that sucks. Over there, stupid camera angle, we have my regular co-host, the, what did I say the other day, the Chris Candido to my Lance Storm?
2: Something like that, yeah.
3: Mark Radulich. Mark, how you doing?
2: I'm doing fine. Looking forward to reviewing this movie with you guys. We had a lot of fun watching it yesterday.
3: And joining us from the highways and byways of the American South, we have Alexis Haina coming from... Uh, sort of from the void, if you're watching on the video. She's uh, <laughs> got the default setting there. Alexis,
0: how are you? I am in a car for 10 hours tonight to hopefully get to at least Chattanooga. And I don't know about you guys, but I find that to be exhausting.
2: <laughs> are you going to ride that choo-choo? you going to ride that choo-choo all the way? The Chattanooga choo-choo.
0: Oh, I was like, what makes you think I'm going to a train?
2: The Chattanooga, the, the Chattanooga, yuck, yuck, <laughs>
0: yuck.
3: There's a song. No, that I, am that I to... do know exists.
2: <laughs> there we go. I had to go back. Had hey, to go back about to mid 20th century, but we got there.
0: No, I am on my way to Orlando, Florida, for MegaCon. But as I'm driving from Kansas City, Missouri, there is no way I'm going to be able to make it in one go. So. The goal is Chattanooga, the bare minimum is Nashville.
2: And the bare necessities are never mind. All right. Before we get into you. (laughs) They'll come to you. Before we get into the movie, I think we all just need to do a quick round of have you ever actually ridden the Jungle Cruise ride at either Disney World or presumably Disneyland? And I have. It's one of my favorites actually. Um, because of the because the person for those of you who've never ridden the ride, it's it's a boat ride, obviously. And one of the uh, Disney, what do they call um, the people that are Skippers. cast members? The ca- Yeah. So a Disney cast member plays a skipper and they take you on this tour and it's a lot and it's a lot of puns, a lot of dad jokes, a lot of jokes that purposely make you groan. That's the fun of the ride because the rest of it is just a lot of animatronics. And, you know, I don't I don't remember at all if you even see a live animal or anything, no, but it's no, not yeah. really. Yeah, so it's just a lot of like, hey, and, and, and it's an ode because of the way Disney World works and the way Walt Disney envisioned the park. It's, a, it's an ode to the type of films that featured rides through the jungle in the early 20th century. Um, you know, one of the, the earliest motion picture epics. And then prior to that, just boatloads of novel series about the white man going into the jungle. That's what this is supposed to evoke, but in a family style. So we have funny jokes. And it's hilarious. Uh, we we've been on, we go on it every time we go to Magic Kingdom. And uh, after the success of Pirates of the Caribbean, they started talking about wanting to take that ride and make it into a movie. Also, you know, hopefully having the same success as the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. So I'll go to you first, Alexis. Uh, I know you're headed to Disney World now, but in the past, have you ever been to the parks and specifically were you familiar with Jungle Cruise?
0: Unfortunately, the last time I was at the park, I was two years old, and they still had sky buckets. (laughs) So, (laughs) So if I I, let me put it this way, I if I took the Jungle Cruise back then, I do not remember it. I think there's like three rides that I actually remember going on at Disney World Mm
2: -hmm. again,
0: again, two years old. (laughs) Sure.
2: Okay. Um, It'll be interesting then to see what your take on the movie is, because without revealing too much. When we first meet the rocks character Frank, my God, that's right off the ride. Go ahead, Robert. Your Pretty thoughts on much, the ride? Is, yeah. you, have you ridden the ride? When was the uh, last? I mean, how familiar are are you?
3: I've done it. I've been to Disneyland a few times. I want to say like three or four throughout the course mm-hmm. of my life. Uh, I wound up not. Last time we went, I didn't. I wasn't able to hit that particular ride, but I probably should have. And I know the. <sighs> I know that The Rock did actually go to Disneyland. I forget if it was Lander World, maybe both, and actually did host the Jungle Cruise a few times. Did he? So the, yeah, there are some people when he was like yeah, his joke was it's preparation for the role mm-hmm. because you know this role requires so much prep, but he's also The Rock and can kind of do whatever he wants. So yeah, there's a, there are people who have had the Jungle Cruise tour ride actually done by Dwayne Johnson.
2: Oh, that's hilarious.
3: Really is. It's kind of an awesome thing. So it it's just a lot like you said, it's a lot yeah, of Yeah, I gotta say suspicion.
0: It was Yeah, I was about to say I think it was a sicky suspicion, partly it was because he thought it'd just be a lot of fun to do it and have people freak out that Dwayne The Rock Johnson was hosting their ride. The man does give back yeah. to his fans quite a bit.
2: I was gonna say, I'm sure I'm sure he thought it was a hoot.
0: You know, Johnny Depp
3: showed up at Disneyland one time as Captain Jack Sparrow, and they had a whole thing. Uh, he, if you work for Disney, especially if you're in the movie biz- business and you want to do the extra stuff like that, they're happy to let you.
2: Sure. You were saying about your your familiarity with the ride and whatnot.
3: I, like you said, it's a lot of puns. It's it's an enjoyable little break from a lot of the other standing around that goes on when you go to Disney to one of the disney parks so i i don't have a lot of complaints and you're entirely correct our introduction to the rocks character is just him doing the cruise <laughs> all right uh
2: so let's get into the movie itself robert go ahead and do the plot synopsis
3: Alrighty, so we open with our with two of our three characters one of them being a main character uh that Emily Blunt, whose character is Lily, last name forgets, escapes me at the moment. Houghton. Uh sorry. We technically open with one of the with a, a sequence that actually endears this movie to me. <laughs> we get a little bit of a background, a little bit of exposition dump about a conquistador who made his way to South America looking for the tears of the moon, which is just kind of a stand-in for whatever basic fountain of youth MacGuffin you want to throw out there. But it's set against a mostly acoustic cover of Metallica's Nothing Else Matters. Hmm. And that just, that's a nice way to kind of poke me, like just let, get me to let my guard down a little bit because I, it's just a fun thing to do. Uh, this is all being told by Lily's brother, McGregor. Who names McGregor is not a first name, people. I don't think it ever has been. Uh, He is presenting a request to some Society of Explorers. Oh, I have a different shirt I should have worn for this. Anyway. Actually, I have an Explorer Society shirt for the Esoteric Order of Adventures from Miskatonic University. Nice. Just a bunch of references most people don't get, but (laughs) it doesn't really matter. Uh, they, They are petitioning to gain access to an artifact that was recovered. This is some mythical arrowhead from one of the tribes deep in the amazon jungle along the amazon river in particular that is required to reach uh, this particular uh, this tree they shout him down because of course they do it's silly but because this is a disney movie it's not silly it's actual reality uh lily played by emily blunt goes to uh, breaks in steals the arrowhead we're also introduced to one of our villains Poor Jesse Plemons, man. Let his career be a lesson to any of you out there. There are certain acts that, when done on film, are going to color the entire rest of your career. Okay. Uh, Bruce. It happened to Bruce Dern when he shot John Wayne in the back. There's two generations of people that will never forgive him for that.
2: Are you saying that because of his uh, bit on Breaking Bad, he'll always oh, be yeah. a villain? Oh, yeah. yeah.
3: He shot an eight-year-old kid on a dirt bike apropos of nothing. <laughs> you don't, like, that's one of the, when that happened, I remember vividly when that episode aired. The reaction from the majority of people talking about it was, I can't see him as that sweet, nerdy guy from Friday Night Lights anymore. He's the murderous white, he's the murderous white supremacist bastard who shot that kid. <laughs> gotcha and then, and then stuffed him in a barrel <laughs> like it's it's one of those things and I mean to his credit he played that particular character very very well but Breaking Bad is a different discussion here he's just a fat German during World War uh, one so he's there to buy the arrowhead because he believes these particular legends as well anyway Emily Blunt steals it they make off for the Amazon here we're introduced to the rocks character of Frank As he exists in this, you know, backwater village on the Amazon giving jungle cruises for money and is in debt to Paul Giamatti because who isn't? (laughs) Uh, Our other two protagonists show up. They are looking for passage upriver. Hilarity. I'll use a a little bit of air quotes around hilarity ensues. Uh, They wind up going with Frank. A submarine shows up because why not? Which is not... Uh, submarines were used in World War One, and they were basically what we saw here that was more or less period accurate so kudos to them for not grabbing a World War II era sub and just shoehorning it in. <laughs> uh, they uh, they head up river. It's heavily hinted at that Francis- uh, Frank is in fact cursed. In fact, you have to be a little bit stupid not to pick up on the fact that he's cursed. Uh, he knows about the arrowhead that... Uh, Lily has is carrying around. He has charted giant chunks of the Amazon. He has a bunch of very poorly foreshadow, dialogue that's very poor foreshadowing. They head up River. He keeps trying to get her to turn back and give him the arrowhead so he can go on to do whatever he's going to do, which is actually just release his curse. A few action set pieces follow. There's a bunch of tension back and forth about who can trust who, specifically Frank, because he's a little bit nefarious, not nefarious but he's a little bit dishonest they wind up with a, a native tribe they get some more inf- they finally figure out where the uh, location of the tree is tree is supposed to be they get the root ru- they get the not runes um, what the heck is the name for that language I forget what it is I apologize. But there's actually a name for the uh, style of language that was, uh, the written representation of it that was used by the people in question. It's loosely based on how the Mayans would write out things, whether which may or may not be all that accurate to the people in question, but c'est la vie. I'll just, I'll, I'm happy to go along with it. Uh, along the way, our intrepid German Kaiser, he's not, the, he's not Kaiser Wilhelm, he's implied to be his son or something. He finds these other cursed conquistadors, reawakens them. They're all horrible monstrosities because we must have gimmicky CGI fights in this. They start tracking everything down. Everyone's after the pedal. They event our intrepid band of heroes eventually is attacked by them. Frank is stabbed through the chest and kicked off a high perch. At which point, I actually had to lean. I saw this with my mother as a birthday gift to her. When the rock was stabbed and then fell and then hit three tree branches and the giant boulder sticking out of the water, I had to lean over and go, "It's okay, he's cursed." <laughs> she hadn't quite, she had quite figured that out at that moment. She just looked so horrified that I had to, I had to ruin it. Uh, he get, he dumps his exposition on lily as we figure out who he is where he's from he's one of the conquistadors but not one of the bad ones he tried to stop the slaughter of the indigenous peoples uh he recounts how he trapped the others who were cursed in the pit that uh where they were freed and they've been they've become like they are because they've spent you know 400 some odd years being ravaged by the forces of the jungle so you have one that's mud one that's tree roots one that's bees and one that's snakes uh, uh, Lily's mostly willing to go along with him at this point now that he's told her more of the truth and he's you know a useful addition to their team they find the tree they cipher some riddles there's a little bit of a doohickey that goes off we get a big CGI fight the, the only sort of bit of drama that goes on here is Francisco's stance on life is that after having been alive for 500 years yeah. give or take he's kind of ready to be done (laughs) and lily for some reason objects to this but i I
2: because she loves him no after a fact
3: no god stop you're getting into my issues with the movie already don't they are uh frank eventually is able to retrap all of the conquistadors himself as well but the lone petals that they were able to harvest is then used to revive him, because true love conquers all. After which, because of course there can't actually be sacrificed to gain anything on any of these movies. Not any of these movies, movies contemporarily. Uh, there's another, the tree only blooms in moonlight, so there's a limited amount of time to harvest the petals. They only got one, she uses it to relieve Frank of his curse. Then it turns out there's a crack in the temple that the thing is housed in, so of course they can get one more and better the world. Uh, Frank decides he doesn't want to die anymore. Because he loves her. Stop it. They head back to London, where McGregor delivers a somewhat scathing rejection of this adventurer society, and Lily starts teaching Frank how to drive. Because he loves her. And hilarity ensues
2: all right Alexis what did you think of the movie
0: I enjoyed it Uh, I don't know how long I'm going to be able to hear you guys Uh, I'm not sure if this thing is working well on my phone so let's give this a try I thought it was a fun combination of Pirates of the Caribbean and the treasure of Sierra Madre which is especially accurate when you realize that uh, Johnson's costume was modeled after Humphrey Bogart's costume from that uh, former movie
2: oh that's interesting
0: Yes, yeah, so I thought that was kind of cool. It's a very fun, lighthearted adventure. It they they took their time with the details. The CGI, while a little uh, phony at certain points, is still engaging enough to be enjoyable. The characters are all likable, and I'll agree with Robert that I wasn't a huge fan of the romantic chemistry between the characters, but they do have chemistry nonetheless, and they're and they are. Really, they work really well together. So, I thought I enjoyed it. I thought uh, the threats were very present. I uh, love how it was between the Germans and these uh, undead conquist- conquistadors who had incredibly creative designs. I squirmed pretty loudly when they cut the one guy's cheek and a snake slithered out of it. it. was like, ah, geez, there's something I don't need to see ever again.
2: I laughed pretty hard at one. The one guy who was like, "You guys are horrifying. I'm delicious." Nah.
0: that was good (laughs) I'm so sweet
2: and tasty
3: unrefined honey isn't actually that sweet
2: you were saying Alexis
0: no I enjoyed the film Uh, I think I would now unfortunately I had to watch it on Disney premiere access because I was still trying to make everything to go for this convention and I think I would have enjoyed it more had I seen it in theaters but yeah, we,
2: I, we saw it on the IMAX screen, and um, you, know, you were talking about the CGI, because it's on IMAX, it's a little bit more visible where there was obvious CGI and where there wasn't, but it looks gorgeous on an IMAX screen.
0: Yeah, there are certain films where you can tell where it's CGI, and some films it really brings it down, but I think for a fantasy-style film like this, especially a Disney fantasy film, you really don't care. No, Just the you, certain levels of the CGI. It never gets to a level of, oh my god, who the hell thought they could get away with that?
2: Yeah, it's not Congo level. Um, but you want... Oh,
3: okay. You, you need know a better frame of reference for this than Congo, Mark. Yeah, <laughs> just, the, yeah they, they filmed the final bits of that with PS2 graphics. They're flat polygons with textures painted <laughs> on them. We get it.
2: <laughs> well, it's my reference for bad CGI. What do you want from me? Um, I will tell... It's fine, it's not the mummy. Um. <laughs> It was well, actually fine for its time the scorpion King
3: there we go yeah yeah that
0: one was rough. There, there, there's a difference
2: nailed it what I was gonna say is um I, I'm willing to sacrifice like truly gritty realistic CGI for colors that pop in a fantasy film such as this
0: exactly and this film was absolutely gorgeous I love how every time they focus on the river you always see something new snakes birds those beautiful uh color- okay Weird thing, but when I was a kid, I was fascinated with those uh, poisonous tropical colored frogs. I just thought they were the coolest things in the world. And I love all the little shots of the water uh, bubbling and you see the frogs jumping out on the lily pads and everything. Again, they put so much effort into making every part of this river look alive. And it really shows.
2: Yep. A lot of detail there.
0: Yeah. So again, it's like I'm willing. This is a film where I don't care that the CGI is not levels of. I don't know the, the Lion King reboot. You know, <laughs> I I it's still I still greatly enjoyed it.
2: Okay. Um, I uh, this movie uh, I absolutely loved it. It's not, it's not perfect. What movie is these days? But I mean, for what I was looking for in terms of you know I wanted. It, like the very first Pirates of the Caribbean, you want all the Easter eggs that reference the ride. Without those, it's just a movie, and then you know you have to judge it. Um, you have to judge it that way. But here, you're adapting a theme park ride. I think number one, you want to make sure you get all the theme park ride stuff in there. And so Frank doing the punny monologue, dead on, by the way. Like like Dwayne the Rock Johnson's performance as Frank as the skipper. Of the the jungle cruise, right? Is freaking hilarious. His no, delivery I, on some I of those know. is is damn funny.
3: You, you shouldn't laugh at those stupid puns he makes at the beginning but you mm-hmm. do it's just you can't and do that better you can't do that bit better than he did it here
2: it's all delivery as somebody who, who who goes for the dumb joke uh more often than not i can truly appreciate the pregnant pause the stone face as you wait for the reaction and every and and then the reaction <laughs> shots of like the one black guy going yeah wow you know the the little girl going make him stop <laughs> so good is what it's just a brilliant part of the movie um stop. no <laughs> no you can't make me Not good yeah.
0: Mark I'm cu- I'm curious when you go on the Jungle cruise ride do most people laugh at the puns or do you hear just a giant groan every time someone makes a pun it or is 50
2: 50 and the 50 that's laughing is laughing to be part of the show. Yeah, you know, like, ha! Ah! Okay, you know, so it's, ah! it's, it's a polite thing. laughter. It, it, it okay. is. You understand what you're getting into when you've ridden that thing. Most people who have ridden have ridden it It's only a 100-year-old ride. Um, so I think, you know, like, no one goes... No, you're not going on there to not have a good time, so you're engaged in the activity appropriately. Um, some people are a little too interactive, but that's a story for another day. In any case... I love so. I loved The Rock in this. I thought he did an outstanding job as that character. Um, I love the fact that he was like a con artist. You know, I-, I called the thing with the jaguar early on, and it paid off, and I was fine with it. I didn't care that I knew once I saw the, the jaguar biting him and his arm not being ripped off. I'm like, yeah. oh no, <laughs> that this is a con. Um, I, I appear, had. A- yeah. I didn't
0: think it was a con, but I figured there was something else because it was like, there's no way in hell a jaguar just suddenly appears and then disappears with no buildup. I I thought at first it may have been part of, like, the curse of trying to find uh, the tree or something. But, again, it's like there's something else with this jaguar. And I freaking love that it's revealed rolling a ball to it because I'm going to just say it. After the jaguar attacks, from then on, that thing was just my my labrador that was cleo over and over again i was like oh my god this isn't a jaguar it's my puppy
2: when you fight a jaguar and you're not carved up and bleeding all over the place like he wasn't in the movie he survives it unscathed and i'm like and, and it was an even funnier line he was like and you bit me too hard and, the, and the kid, they they animated the cat to go <laughs> sorry um it was, it's it was all cat. very amusing
3: it it's a cat it doesn't care if it bites you too hard
2: <laughs> so the i like that
3: want you to die half the time
2: Emily Blunt's character is uh, outstanding oh. in this, because he, here's, here's my thing, and I and you might have grown, you might have some issues with her, but I really I felt like I felt they handled her well, because she's this, you know, determined, anachronistic, determined woman fighting against the trends of her time to do the right thing, and that's what's motivating her. But I don't think, I, I think too, way too often those types type of characters are written as way too shrill, um, and I think they had her just right i think they had her pitch just right and emily blunt god bless her i don't know how much stunt work she actually did versus her stunt woman but it it looked seamless to me on the screen and kudos to her for however much she had to go running across trees and diving over things i thought you know i was thinking about her and mary poppins returns i'm like wow like this is i I hope she reconsiders and takes if she's offered it a sue richards role in the next Fantastic Four movie, because oh, she really, she put really... her, as,
3: put her as Sue, put her husband John Krasinski as Mister yeah. Fantastic, it's what and we all want all that good, right? Yeah, yeah. And, it, it, that's what everyone wants. That's slam listen. dunk casting. How how is this not a thing already?
2: Well, allegedly, she said no so far, but you know, maybe they'll they'll pack a dump truck full of money to her house. But here's the thing: like, if she if she's the kind of actress that's like, look, I I, I don't want to do stupid action movies. I have no idea why she did this because this was a stupid action movie, you know. And so, and like, I'm watching her run around. I'm like, how are you saying no to Marvel stuff, but you do this instead? Um, like, do both. I w- we want you, Emily Blunt. You're great. Uh, and I just thought I thought her and The Rock had uh, had really great chemistry. I thought her and the guy that plays her brother had really good chemistry for what chemistry there needed to be between them. Um, I, I thought she was a well-balanced character. The um, to me, you know, you, you mentioned the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I think I walked out of it and I was like, wow, this was like if somebody was was trying to make Indiana Jones for my kids' generation, they nailed it with Jungle Cruise. And I can absolutely see them doing two or three more of these for that generation of uh, of children. Because like I said, you know, I asked them like I asked my kids like, what did you think of Jungle Cruise compared to Raiders of the Lost Ark? They're like, We like Jungle Cruise better, which is the right answer when you're seven and ten. Um
3: No, no it's not. It's
2: really <laughs> no, it's not. the right answer when you're seven and ten is the wrong answer. But you know, in twenty twenty-one when you're seven and ten I, I, I This was absolutely made to bring them along and make them fans of this franchise and spend more money on it as time goes on, uh, and I think it was successful in that way. As far as the plot of this thing, um, I mean, they, they they went on a quest to fetch a thing. Fine, it was a no, you know the the quest in and of itself was noble enough that you know I was there for the ride. They weren't out to get rich; they were out to better mankind. Great, that's what heroes do. So all in all, I mean. Um, a couple of points in the movie where I think it drags a little bit. Uh, there's some pacing issues here or there, but those are minor quibbles. Uh, for the most part, you know, like I said, it was able to entertain a 45 year old, a 7 year old, and a 10 year old without much moving around or needing to go get popcorn or a piss. So I would say, of all of the, and I'm going back through these Disney theme park attraction movies and whatnot, like Wonderland, which Robert and I both hated, um, The Country Bears, some- which i have-
0: You mean Tomorrowland,
2: Tomorrowland. don't you? What did I say?
0: Wonderland. Wonderland.
2: Close enough. Um, (laughs) Well, we all
0: hated the Alice in Wonderland reboot as well.
2: Um, The Country Bears, which Sean and I will be talking about tomorrow, which sucks on ice. And, you know, the Pirates of the Caribbean, which is great the first time out. Jerry Bruckheimer nailed it out of the park. It was a grand slam. And then progressively those movies got dumber and weirder and more uh, nosebleed inducing. But, the cash um, cow,
0: I would say the cash cow became a dead horse.
2: Yeah. Did you say dead horse?
0: Yeah, they turned the cash...
1: No purchase necessary. Void are prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs>
2: anyway, okay, So like into
0: beating a dead horse. Okay, it's not as good as what they come up with on the cruise. Okay, I <laughs> my puns are not that good yet.
3: You I just set him up funny. to play his. You just set him up to play his clip of Mongo punching out a horse from Blazing Saddles. Oh. <laughs>
0: Sorry. I, okay. I'm driving, <laughs> so if, so, I hate so. Forgive me if I don't catch. Oh, he just played a clip because you know I'm trying not. No, to No, no, you're, you're good. That's why. I, that's
3: why I said that. Uh, Be more focused
2: on don't. me and not the road. Okay, I'm clearly more important. Speaking of clearly oh, I'm more. Oh, sorry,
0: Mark. Do you pay for my car insurance?
2: We'll talk about that later, Robert. Um, yeah, I don't have much else to, to add. Go ahead and talk about. You said you had some issues with this, so start there.
3: All right. Let me start with the positive. This is a very visually engaging story 90% of the time. Yeah. They go out of their way to make the Amazon a character in this film, and this the setting is very important to this entire endeavor, and that's to be commended. A lot of times the, backdrop, the setting becomes backdrop rather than a part of the story for a bunch of movies. This one goes out of its way to make the jungle and the Amazon River feel like part of... Uh, part of the story. It it is its own character in a certain respect. So, kudos for that. Uh, The costuming I enjoyed. It might seem like a small thing to point out, but it amuses me. The Rock and Emily Blunt. They've got really good interpersonal chemistry. I think they could have very good romantic chemistry if they'd actually been written to be romantic interests instead of, these are two characters that fall in love because they're attractive and in proximity to each other.
2: (laughs) Can I, let me, let me quick say there is, and I I don't want to get off on a long tangent about this, but there is something to the romantic chemistry of antagonism. Yeah. Um, And I know, like you guys all like to give me shit for the way that I behave and the way that I act and some of the things I say, but those are the things my wife likes about me. Like you know, that asshole quality in a guy is attractive to at least a large portion of women, and the you know qualities that one might perceive as negative in a woman are are in reality very attractive to a man. I saw their romantic chemistry and antagonism as being a very viable and real thing.
3: No, I I don't object to that in kind, like that's okay. a- you're right, that's a real thing. And theirs gets... For me, it, it comes about this close to being what I think it should have been. If you want to mm-hmm. get them to... I will now follow you to, an, to the other side of the planet. And you kind of reorder my life. I just... They're, it feels like they're missing a step in the okay. interpersonal process between the two of them when it comes to this
2: i don't disagree with you i feel like we jumped from a to c and missed yeah
3: B. And that's what i mean when i say this it's there they play off of each other incredibly well they work together very well there's clearly the spark but there's an error in writing out their progression that i think kind of was a hang-up for me as far as that goes i'm still along for the ride But it was missing that, it it just kind of missed that step from, well, we're both attractive and we have this, you know, repartee. There's a bit of maturation that has to go from there to, okay, let's, you know, actually do this. And that step missing was a problem for me. Emily Blunt's character. Oh, boy. I... I, I think you're correct in the sense that you mentioned she's handled well for most of this. Here's my problem. She's presented as entirely too idealized. I mean, what's okay. her fl- what's her flaw, right? Think, think about this as a character perspective. What's something negative you can say about her?
2: I mean, her brother keeps mentioning that she no, dies no, no. headlong into danger. Okay, no, no, and, no. and I think that's present.
3: That is, but it's only... It's a minor thing, and it's actually more. His mentioning that is almost a like weird quasi-meta reference, because if she doesn't dive headlong into danger at the top of a hat, we have no movie. Okay. Like if she's not willing to break in, commit serious art, commit serious theft of artifacts, flee the country. Uh, if you pretend like there's all these issues that if she doesn't have them, we don't have the film as it stands. Okay. Her, I tend to think that her big character flaw, quote unquote, is that she can't swim.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, Robert, I actually got to disagree with you because okay. growing up with a mother who, for the longest time, could not swim, uh, I saw her fear, and I was like, yeah, that looks familiar my mother for the longest time was terrified of being anywhere near deep water when we went swimming at my grandmother's pool she once accidentally she was resting on a pool float and she accidentally got pulled into the deep end of the pool and she just was screaming at me and my dad just like pull me back pull me back no there was a legitimate fear and this is gonna sound weird but I am actually glad that it was just a fear of hers because I honestly thought we were going to get a cliche of she saw her mother drowned and that's why she's always been afraid. It's like, no, you know what? Sometimes people are just afraid and, and I thought that was actually just a bit of good character. It doesn't need to tie back into, oh, this is the reason it was like, no, she just does is scared of drowning. Hell, I even give credit the scene, you know, when he pulls her down there and he briefly can't get her out because of the piranhas. And then when they come back, she immediately slaps him, and she's just so terrified. It's like, no, that's what you do when you're trying to conquer your fear, and you think somebody has not helped you. Okay, it's going to take her a few minutes to calm the hell down.
3: No, no, no I, I don't object to any of that, and I think you're, I think you're correct. She does a wonderful job portraying that fear. That that's uh, that is a wonderful acting job by Emily Blunt. She's a terrific actor. Oh, sure. This is a character, right? This is an overall character writing issue I have with her. She wants to do this just for purely altruistic reasons. She's happy to stand up for her gay brother in a very repressed time in human history. She wants to save all the animals all the time. Like, it's. I see what you're
2: saying. Like, so what's. Why is she. Why is she all hundred percent good and zero percent bad? like whats ro- what's wrong with her? you know in the in the grand scheme of isn't there something wrong with every human? Yeah, okay.
3: That, that's my I think that's my only gripe with her because I mean we get that just by contrast. you know McGregor we get that with. Mm-hmm. He's a little he is a little bit he's, he's a fop. Yeah, well, sort of that, which is a bit of a problem. He's also he's not a coward. But boy, do you have to push him all the way to the limit before he'll actually do anything?
2: Well, this isn't his thing. No, no, he's I, the, I, I he's get there, that. He's, he's there as loyalty to her because she stands up for him being gay, but this is not where he'd rather be.
3: No, I, and I get that, and like that's kind of the point. That's part of his character. Mm-hmm. Francisco can't be honest with anyone. For, in some cases, entirely understandable reasons. And he takes it a bit too far as far as this interaction goes. Mm -hmm. But this leads to them being nuanced characters. I don't think there's a lot of nuance with Lily. And
2: let me ask you a question how you know a lot of people have talked about Ray uh, Palpatine being you know a, a character of no flaws and she's the most perfect bestest thing ever and this is why a lot of people shit on the, the prequel, the, the sequel trilogy. Are, are you saying that Emily Blunt's character is in that Ray territory?
3: No no, no not she, not quite that not at all okay. that far.
0: Yeah Lily Ray's is, is not a Mary Sue in any way. no be
3: yeah. Before. Not at all, not at all, not at all. Ray's issue, the issue with Ray was less that part of it is that she's presented as almost entirely virtuous, which is, again, a pet peeve I have of any character. The other issue with Ray is she would spontaneously pull stuff out of her ass <laughs> anytime the plot required it. Sure. Of course, I can fly this. Like, her flying the Millennium Falcon that proficiently is a bit like taking don't. Idol- this is going to sound a bit ageist, so I apologize. But take a 16-year-old today, throw him in a 42 Ford and say, drive.
2: I mean, if, and, if it came and, from the Will Smith School of Independence for, uh, I can, <laughs> I've can, i seen how these things maneuver so I can fly a spacecraft. Which
3: is also stupid. <laughs> I mean, look, that's, that is only partially saved by the, by the adaptations they've made to that ship in particular during the time they've had it. And him already being not only a fighter pilot, but someone deliberately training for the space program. Like, that's what he wants to do. He wants to get into that. Like, there's enough there that I will take your stupid leap of logic about his ability to figure this out.
0: Plus a really great little uh, almost uh, missed homage to Duck Dodgers in the 24th and a half century.
3: That's true.
2: Also yeah, with sorry,
0: with Will Smith. I wonder how many people realize Roland Emmerich actually was inspired by that cartoon for that moment.
2: Also, I've come to realize with that scene that he may have just been jumping on an opportunity and halfway bullshitting, bluffing oh, yeah. to there's get no, himself into the craft.
3: There's no way he yeah. knew that he could do that. Like there's mm. a reason when he and Jeff Goldblum pal up that like, so you really think you can do that? You really think you can fly that thing, huh? And his response is it cut like it's meant to come across as demeaning, I think, like mm-hmm. the, that people are like, oh yeah, sure. If you can do everything you just said, then I can fly this. But it's more like he's acknowledging a fellow kind of BS artist. Yeah. You really think you can do all that bullshit? No, of <laughs> course I can fly.
2: So back to Emily Blunt. She's point, not quite point, Ray, but what's her yeah. problem?
3: Uh, well, she's not Ray because she's never she has plot armor because she's the she doesn't have plot armor the same way. She doesn't spontaneously develop abilities the same way. Like, oh, completely apropos of no training, I can subtly manipulate someone's mind. And now I can force heal because of course I can. And that, that cascading effect is what caused all the problems with Ray. My issue with Lily is it, it's not an issue of she's you know some fl- she is not she is not a shining plot point that is infallible in all senses in the mm-hmm. sense that there's rays never in put it this way rays never in danger right and not just because she's the hero but because they go out of their way to say there's literally nothing this woman cannot overcome here's 18 examples of how and why in 20 seconds because of course there are Lily it's a bit it's just a bit more that like like any character that's presented as too good okay I, there's no moral fallibility there's no ethical fallibility that everything she does is right and it's always for the right reason and screw you if you feel differently about it because she is right and here's x number of reasons why
2: could it not be argued that her sort of blinding Devotion to one to always do the right thing puts everybody else around her in peril and she can't quite seem to understand that It's something her brother has to keep pointing out to her like hey as you go charging into The night come what may Yeah, we choose to go with you But you don't ever seem to care that we're going with you or what happens to us only until after it happened and you go Oh my danger has you know uh, Danger has hit you and it's like wish you'd had some thought about that beforehand
3: and if there'd been any way that they'd actually addressed that i mean this is us spitballing and extrapolating a little bit here yeah about, this this, about is, this
2: is insinuation it. in what i just said you're right it's not really in the movie
3: which and, and again this is a let me be clear that's a minor complaint but mm-hmm. i think it's a flaw in the character writing that they don't give her any sort of nuance as far as this goes so okay. it, fairly again fairly minor complaint all things considered
0: Hey, I got something I want to ask you guys, because you know that this is going to come up on Twitter and whatnot. What did you think about the reveal of McGregor being gay? Eh.
2: I mean, Disney has, let's put it this way. Disney has already said months ago, if not a few years ago, they were fully embracing uh, inclusiveness including but not limited to lgbtq plus characters uh at this point if you're a parent and your issue is i don't like the gays and i don't like my kids seeing the gays i would say maybe disney isn't the company for you go find a children's company that put out stuff that doesn't have gay people in it good luck but you know that's your choice
3: uh okay personally i rolled my eyes just a little bit but by the same at the same time let me be clear. I rolled my eyes because it doesn't. Uh, I'm gonna piss somebody off by saying this. It doesn't matter. It just it, it just doesn't matter. His character's sexuality is utterly immaterial to everything.
2: Right. It's Except, used as an as an explanation as to why he's so devoted to her, not romantically.
3: And you could you could you could fill that same gap with anything. Mm-hmm. By the same token because it doesn't actually mean anything and or matter to anything related to the movie I don't care
2: yeah I um look as I, as I my, my kids have asked me and again they are young they're going to ask these questions you know they'll ask about gay people in movies and I'll say to them because gay people exist in the world and so if somebody decides to put gay people in the movie it is it is the you know the smallest example of the greater world that exists gay people exist did gay people exist back then Sure." Um, were they hidden? Were they ostracized? Were they afraid to come out? Absolutely. So, you know, is this the best place for that? Is any place the best place for it? Is any place the worst place for it? I mean, it's, it's as Robert well, said, it's such an immaterial part of the movie that I, you know, and it's used as a moment to have Frank and McGregor bond also. And I thought there was really, there was some good acting going on in those scenes. So, I I think it's one of those things where if it's there and it's, and it's ham fisted and it's poorly acted, it's a problem, not in and of itself there. Um, I think, I think it just makes it worse, but when it's there and it didn't need to be there, but it's, but it's, but it adds to the drama. It adds to the motif. Um, I'm, I'm great. I'm fine with it.
3: I said, I, I don't care. It's not, I, anyone making a fit over that is just, outrage monger is just trading an outrage for no good reason it wasn't look this wasn't a preachy moment they didn't turn him into some kind of hero because he, of his sexuality
2: he getting marked across the screen carrying a rainbow flag yeah <laughs> like
3: they, they, consequently he's just a gay character in the movie and yeah. I, again i find his character the his character could have remained utterly yeah uh, that that His sexual preferences could have been completely excised from this film, and you would lose nothing. Mm -hmm. But again, if 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 they'd done it to you know preach or to be to if they'd done it to pander, I think that that would have bothered me. In the
2: writing, they're sitting around the writers' table, and they're like, "We need a reason." They're not in love because we want Emily uh, Blunt to be in love with The Rock, okay? But he's attached to her, and he doesn't want to be there. That's kind of his comedic role in the movie is oh everything's scary and gross okay so why is he there why does why is he following her to the ends of the earth well what if and you know what the what if becomes he's gay the family hated him she didn't and now he's attached to her at the hip great that that i mean mean,
3: you've got to come up with some reason right i mean the same you get kind of the same thing look for my for my money this movie is if you take Pirates and you blend it with the original, with, with the first Brendan Fraser Mummy film, and you sprinkle a dash of Romancing the Stone on top, you get this film.
0: You, um, get, the you, same, wanna... well, you okay. get the
3: same question with um, Evie's brother in the first Mummy movie. Why mm-hmm. is this guy here? Well, he's answer...
0: because he's greedy and he wants treasure. Yes.
3: they, they <laughs> But again, you need an answer to that question. He can't just tag along like luggage. He's greedy. He does love his sister, and he's actually useful on occasion because he's a fairly skilled pickpocket. Mm-hmm. In the case of McGregor, you need a reason for him to be there, so they came up with one. I—it's not
2: the world's again, strongest reason, but it's a reason.
3: I—I I mean, look, I much like Atlas. I shrug. Mm.
2: Who cares? <laughs> you were—you were, um, you oh, so were so talking you about.
0: Men- so you guys mentioned pandering, and frankly, I feel that this was one of the first times that a Disney film has done inclusion like this without it feeling like it was pandering
4: yeah I, would so agree.
0: Often, I mean the whole thing with uh like the the beauty and the beast remake saying lefou was gay is like that felt like pandering
2: well <laughs> i think that the, the argument there was like you you made lefou gay but it's in the smallest sense of the word and then made, you just show him dancing at the end and it's like why did you even put it in there then they made I,
3: lefou gay as a marketing gimmick right mcgregor's yeah. gay as a bit of the character and I think uh, that's a significant difference. I mean
2: we di- way diverged off your final point with Lily so right. get get to the end of that.
3: Well I, again, I think that was kind of it with Lily. She's she's not a bad character in the traditional sense of the word. I think she's just missing nuance and or flaw, which
2: fallibility, the word you're yeah, looking
3: for. Thank you. You need some of that there. She needs to be you just, every character needs that. Like every <laughs> great character needs that as part of it you mentioned indiana jones is a big influence for this movie with some fairly obvious reasons here's i think the big difference between lily and indy indiana jones is always in over his head Mm -hmm. you never feel that way about lily
2: okay i mean that that's a that's a valid point
3: And if you're going to cast someone in the Indiana Jones model, that's a big part of what makes Indy work. He's always he's always, you know, trying to ice skate uphill, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And he does it and he falls on his face a bunch of times. And but that's what makes the character work. If you never he's wrong about things, depending on which movie we're talking about, he gets things wrong. He has incorrect judgment. He makes occasional wrong moral choices, especially if we're talking about Temple of Doom, where his entire arc is going from a more greedy treasure seeker to someone who understands and appreciates the value of what he brings to the world. Like, that's all important to all of this. Lily is basically the same character at the end as she is at the beginning. She just now has a romantic partner.
2: Yeah, that's very true. She has zero... She, her arc is flat. She just accomplished the, she, she accomplished the mission at the end of the video game.
1: The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: And so that's just my complaint with the writing of that particular character. The other characters
0: all have character growth.
3: Sure. Yeah, McGregor grows a bit of a spine and... The Rock learns that life is worth living outside of the Amazon, I suppose.
2: Yeah. Well, no, I mean, when it, it's, he's kind of got the vampire thing going on, you know. Yeah,
3: uh, I, oh, okay. I've been alive for so long. Right. I've been stuck on this river for so long. <laughs> you know, I'm just kind of, that's one of the other things I had a little bit of a hard time with. And I I know you can't actually delve into the existential angst and crises that someone deciding I've lived too long and want to die in a kid's movie <laughs> like, that, you can't really delve into that. It's a bit too heavy. Yeah,
2: they pointed at it just fine from where they were with The Rock.
3: Unfortunately, because, because of the performance that The Rock gives, and I don't mean this as a negative, they asked him to do it, this a certain way. His decision that I'm ready to die, it feels... I don't want to say disingenuous, because that's mm-hmm. not the right word, but boy, does it feel hollow. Like there's no commitment
2: yeah, on that character point. It, and, it also kind of comes out of nowhere, and it's it's just sort of thrown in there to move things forward. It, there's no weight to it.
3: I yeah, I really don't know if they had that weightier in the original script, and they had to dial it back or if they just decided he needs something else to do now that we've revealed he's a conquistador. So, Hey, he's tired of living.
2: It's one of those things, Robert, where it's dicey because I, I know we, like, we three adults can, can look at that and go, I wish they'd deal with this a little bit more. I wish they'd make it more weighty. I guarantee you my seven and 10 year old who this is meant for <laughs> you know, children, families were not looking for that in this movie would have complained or not gotten it.
3: Well, I'm well aware this is a tightrope that that you have to try and walk. So Mm -hmm. my only response would have been, then you you might want to just remove that Mm -hmm. and go the other direction where he's very anxious to. He knows the wider world is out there. He knows it's developed. He's seen pictures. He's heard stories. He's talked with tourists. Like this is a guy who should be dying to get out of this curse. So he can experience the wider world, mm-hmm. instead of instead of someone who wants to end the curse so he can die. Like there, you can still create. I think you can still create tension around that point.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But it, it, it was just an odd choice for me, as far as that goes. I'm um, I'm a little bit more sensitive to CGI than you guys are. There's parts of this that really bothered me. Um, the problem I had. There's a couple of action sequences that I did not care for the editing okay um, the attack the attack on the village in particular mm. the first time the conquistadors show up I'm with you guys when you mention their character designs are great they're all unique they're very readable you can tell who's who unfortunately that sequence in particular not only being at night heard it, but they also did a. They also cut a lot. And that made it, the action very hard to follow in some respects. The overall story of that encounter was told just fine, but the individual action pieces uh, got a little bit lost along the way.
0: I think the only part of the movie where the editing really got me, and I was just like, what the hell was that? And I hate to say it, it was the death of the prince. Just... The sudden rock falling, oh. it, I, I just looked at that.
3: <laughs> I, I
2: laughed.
0: Like, yeah, it was just so sudden. It, it was like slam. I mean, I hate to say it, but it was like riding a roller coaster and slamming into a brick wall.
2: <laughs> well, but what movie did we just reviewed recently, where a large thing that we we are led to believe it falls on someone, and then he walks out from around back, and they're like, "Oh, you lot, you lived."
3: Oh God, Fast
2: Nine. You know, it was, okay, it was Fast Nine. Okay, that's right, it was. was it- <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking about in that scene. He didn't make it, though. He didn't walk out. He's not the hero, so he doesn't get to walk out from behind it.
0: Yeah. You know, credit to uh, Jesse Plemons, who has really shot up as a real as a good actor in, the, in recent years. I mean, this is a guy who didn't actually, wasn't really known that well until that uh, scene in Breaking Bad when he shot a kid.
2: Yeah, I, I was thinking about him in Judas and the Black Messiah and how, you know, he... Um, you know, how tight he had to be tightly wound he had to be and yeah. here I, I, I look i'm a fan of actors and i'm a fan of actors getting to act and acting is playing and so when you're given a juicy role that you can play in and you can you can go overboard with it and the director kind of gives you that freedom you know i uh i enjoy it i i enjoy it for the actor's sake because you don't get there's so many tightly controlled performances and in, in, in films these days it's fun to just let somebody be a clown and them having enough sense to not go so far off the uh, off the reservation with their performance that it becomes uh that it takes you out of the movie jesse Clemens really nailed it with this role he was just engaging enough just funny enough just you know foppish enough to make the character fun and still menacing at the same time
3: I just felt bad for all the weight they asked him to gain because boy is he not normally that fat. I don't know if they have—I don't know if that was a fat suit or if he actually did just kind of put on some uh, extra padding for that. But
0: I—it's kind of hard to tell. But I think part of that was also just the way the collar in his costume was cutting him off. He does mm. have, for a lack of better terms, a very large head and a large face. Yeah. I mean, he does. He has a very big head. It's not a slam on him or anything. That's—it's it, just a fact. And I think the way the collar cut him off at the neck and the way his hair was styled, I think it made him look like more contained within the suit than he actually was. Does that make sense? Yeah,
2: Yeah. Robert, you mentioned how great the acoustic cover of um, uh, Nothing Else Matters is. And I wanted to tell you that I really, uh, the, the movie, you know, speaking of Indiana Jones, uh, very reminiscent of John Williams in this. I thought the orchestral score was fantastic. And for those of you who want to hear the orchestral score by, uh, by itself, it. plus the Nothing Else Matters oh. from Metallica, that's available on AmazonMusic.com, which we're giving a free 30 days of. If you go ahead and click our link, uh, get AmazonMusic.com slash W2M Network, you can get a free 30 days. And um, if you click the click the link, sign up for it. Um yeah, you'll get a free 30 days to stream unlimitedly, unlimitedly on amazonmusic.com. And then if you'd like the service, like I know you will, that you get to keep it. Uh, just pay the monthly fee like you do for any streaming service or you can cancel it if you don't like it. Uh, no fuss, no must, no contracts, no pains in the ass, but it's a great service. We use it all the time. Go ahead, Robert.
3: Uh, it shouldn't come as a surprise that this particular s- score was a little bit uh, derivative of John Williams. It's scored by James Newton Howard. <laughs> okay. Who, hang on, that might come across as a slight. Uh, it, it I, might? I don't really mean it to be. I mean that James Newton Howard. James Newton Howard is a very good, uh, is a very good composer. Mm-hmm. Has you know hundreds of credits of movies to his credit, and he knows when and how to appropriately select from some of his contemporaries or the or other. Or other film properties to kind of evoke what he wants to evoke.
2: That's fair. Yeah, Um, I mean,
0: well, I mean, no one's ever going to, when you try to compare someone to John Williams, they're always going to be distant because, you know, nothing compares to John Williams. If you're not Hans
3: Zimmer, you're not even close.
0: Yeah, but I thought Howard did a really good job with this. Oh, something else I wanted to add earlier that I completely forgot, but you guys were talking about Emily Blunt doing the stunts and everything. One of the things I actually greatly appreciate about this film was not only that how well they made the Amazon itself look alive, but they really took advantage of using practical sets in this film. And that is something that we have sorely been missing, especially in Disney fantasy films.
2: It was yeah. amazing to me how like, and I don't know, I think there's a lot of, I, I was starting to say how amazing like Disney studios can put a lot of time and care into their movies and it looks like it and others that look shoddy. Now that I say that out loud, I think more often than not, they're putting time and care into their properties. They just don't, don't always hit. They don't always, you know, the, the efforts there, they just don't know. We, they're not always as successful as obviously they, they want to be. Um, I think we, we've covered it. We've been at this for about an hour now. So unless you've got something, a bleeding, a burning desire, Robert, let's move on to the money.
3: Uh anything else I wanted to mention about this? No, I don't think I think that's it for the craft. If something comes up, I will break in uh, to one of our other segments and <laughs> loudly shout it. So we're
2: good. Just, just, just make sure you get gore when you do it, all right? Spe- speaking of which here comes the money.
3: Here
4: comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Oh. Here comes the money.
2: All right, on uh, a budget of $200 million, uh, this has box office receipts amounting to $62.6 million, uh, as of this recording per Wikipedia. Um, but it also has another, what was it, $30 million from Disney Plus uh, premiere. It went day and date on Premier Access for a $30 fee. Yeah, it also made $30 million from Disney Plus Premier Access in its opening weekend. So roughly, you know, somewhere in the $100 million range uh as of this report reporting it obviously was the number one movie of the weekend uh yeah so domestic box office hang on um for july 30th through august 1st uh this was it premiered at number one it knocked old out of the number one spot as i said it would um, old fell from one to two. The Green Knight from A24 debuted at number three. This A24 studio not doing too shabby for an, an indie. Uh, they make quality films in general rule. Yeah, Zola was fantastic. Uh, Black Widow fell from three to four. Stillwater debuted at number five. I am I don't understand why Focus Feature thought it was a good idea to release still water on this particular weekend
3: there was never going to be a good weekend to release that
2: i suppose not space jam tumbled. i I mean seriously at this
3: point at this point at least they have the excuse of well we went up against a disney property and lost so we get to save a little bit of face
2: yeah i don't know i would i would think this is a september october picture only because (laughs) closer to oscar season um traditionally
3: it's not that's not an oscar contender
2: I, you won't know unless you try. It's certainly not a blockbuster, which is which is also currently true. the season we're in. Do
0: you think? Okay, do you, it's not an Oscar contender. Do you think it's uh, Oscar bait?
3: No. That would not. Uh, um, Stillwater is not Oscar bait. This is the one with Matt Damon. What's that stupid one with uh, Mark Wahlberg? They're the one funny. about em- the one about emotionally traumatic schizophrenia.
2: Yeah, I know it. Um, Joe Bell.
3: Joe Bell. Thank you. Yeah. That's your Oscar bait for the year.
2: All right. Um Space Jam tumbled from 4 to 6 um and and if you thought Space Jam tumbled, Snake Eyes fucking <laughs> <laughs> good. So, I regret nothing in jumped off a cliff.
3: Hey, look at look at me, look at me. Good. <laughs>
2: yeah, Jason and I and I want to take this time to remind everybody that Jason asked to be on the Snake Eyes review, whether he there remembers goes. it or not. No, no, I I, rem- <laughs> I remember that. Thank you. Fucking make me act like i dragged him into this he fucking asked he did anyway um steak guys debuted at number two last weekend you volunteered
3: we for that buddy and you did i look i appreciate you jumping on that grenade
2: for me um it debuted at number two which i'm sure you know just oh, hurt it, paramount Dude, and then cratered not
3: just, not just at number two if you look at the number it had last week it
0: was
2: yeah it was this...
1: bad In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Yeah, this whole Hasbro thing they're doing may be dead in the water. Uh, F9 fell from five to, eight, 5 to 8. Escape Room fell from 6 to 9. The Forever Purge 8 to 10 Boss Baby, currently day and date on Peacock with no extra uh, money, 7 to 11, A Quiet Place Part 2, speaking of Emily Blunt, 9 to 12, and a documentary about Anthony Bourdain called Roadrunner fell from 10 to 13. Cruella still currently in theaters, um, and, and we don't have a news section for these anymore, but you know, Black uh, Scarlett Johansson suing Disney because of the Premier Access thing, and now um, Emily uh, what's-her-face? Emma Stone. Emma Stone, thank you. And now Emma Stone considering doing the same thing for Cruella, while at the same time negotiating for a sequel. Pick your well, battles, h- h- lady. H-
3: hang on, hang on. Th- that's not quite this, the thing with Emma Stone. Okay. Emma Stone's thing, What? she's not really considering suing. I haven't heard that reported by a reputable source. Okay. What's being bandied about with her is that she's really unhappy with how that went and is now like looking at other career options like oh okay disney might by which i mean disney might want a cruella sequel and she might say no
2: she like, might be she, not not wanting to act anymore
3: no no not wanting to deal with disney for oh fair enough future i mean like, christ her, who
2: does besides no, no, no. The rock
3: look her, I, the point being she's not looking at suing them so much as she is looking at well Walking this way this didn't go the way I wanted it to, or the way I thought it was going to, and I'm not sure I want to do. I want to go down this road a second time if we're going to get it to the same place.
2: Yeah, and I don't blame her. Uh, Pig, which was fantastic, yeah, surprise, by the way. Me, I
0: would say it wouldn't surprise me if Disney lawyers are trying to uh, read, basically rewriting contracts now to include a pandemic clause. The idea that if yeah. something has to be rerouted onto Premier Access or whatever because of extenuating circumstances that they feel people would not be going to the theaters. I think we're going to see a lot of new legal jargon right. related well, to well, things not, that not, do to to the get the pandemic,
2: apo- not to be the groveling apologist for a corporation, but they're in this to make money. And you know, and putting out a $200 million picture that nobody can see because the theaters are closed and then having to pivot to their streaming service which they own, you know, entirely and can then charge you know, they keep the entire $30 that they charged. Like, I don't blame them for doing that. I think, you know, uh, this was the CM Punk argument when WWE came up with the network, which was, hey, we get money for the amount of pay-per-views um, that we're on and, you know, and draw a certain amount of money. And now that all changes because you're just throwing everything up for free on this network. How are we then compensated? And I absolutely saw his point of view on that. I also saw the WWE's point of view, which was, yes, it's the same, it's the same um, process by which nearly bankrupted ECW because they wouldn't get their money from the pay-per-view companies for months on end. So why are we doing this when we don't have to, when we can control everything and keep a hundred percent of uh, of the profits?
3: Yeah, so the, I see I, it from both I ends. Think, I think mostly what we're going to get. Look, the people that are on the that are getting the short end of the stick on this, and there's a lot of yeah. them. What we're going to get is just a reworked bit in the contract where instead of part of the reason Scarlett Johansson is suing is I believe she was going to she uh, was entitled to a percentage uh, of the box office returns. Yeah. Right. and because well, the box it office,
2: off it, Which doesn't include Disney Premier Access, yeah. which it should. Yeah.
3: Which that's what we're going to get in the future for these contracts is mm-hmm. anything on Premier Access will just be folded into whatever cut the, the lead gets when they do get a cut of something like that. I think that's just going to be the solution Disney's that makes probably, everyone happy.
0: Disney's probably going to give her a cut of the premiere access and basically say, okay, are, you know, it's like, is this enough? And th- they'll just basically give her enough money to get her to back on.
2: I mean, from from an accounting point of view, I don't see why you wouldn't do that. Just say, you know, the grand sum of Disney premiere access plus the grand sum of box office minus what you have to pay to the theaters, you know, and then a proportion of that that you would have given to the actress anyway goes to the actors or the actress you know you know what i'm saying like yeah and instead of and because i can see right now on the ledger it's like well this is box office receipts and this is all we're contracted to give you a part mm. of this is premier access it's a whole other column and you don't and, and you're contractually not obligated to any of that and the actors going no it's the same fucking thing <laughs> it's, well, not, it's money is money
3: well money's money but those are two very different things when you No break but down I, but, how I, I works.
2: but but again I'm arguing both sides of this. Well no, no uh,
3: I I both, look both sides have a very valid perspective on how they're doing things and they'll eventually come to some kind of compromise that everyone can live with and we'll mm. all move on but at the yep. moment we're just kind of dealing with that little bit of upheaval
2: uh back to the weekend that was um oh yeah real quick and I, and i know and I, and I mean like 50 words or less and i'm counting every word why did you not like pig which day, which fell from 12 to 15 by the way
0: oh god i'm sorry i would say i need to jump in the foxhole but i think doing so would put me in a ditch
2: <laughs> can you do it in 50 words or, less, or do we have to do a whole other podcast for this
3: I don't want to do a whole of the podcast. Hang on, I'm trying to parse this down.
2: Okay, cut in when you're ready. Um, this uh, okay. Yep.
3: There was that movie. Felt a little bit too self-important for my taste. It, by which I—that's the wrong word.
2: Did it didn't insist upon itself?
3: Don't do that. I, there's a reason I don't use that phrase because it's a stupid phrase. Yes, it is. There, there's a like, that, that's one of the reasons. If I think something is a little bit too much, you know, up its own ass,
4: mm-hmm.
3: like that, that's a little bit the vibe I got from Pig. Like we're going to have this thought, we're going to have this thoughtful meditation on grief and loss, and boy, are we going to beat you over the head with that? And how dare you think otherwise about any of this?
2: Okay, I look. You're entitled to your opinion or how things affect you. I I, I loved it, it for that reason. Look, for that, that reason, I got you. Mhm.
3: I took issues with some. God, there were pacing issues
2: in that movie for me. <laughs> yeah, it's a slow movie. I,
3: I don't mind slow movies, but God. <laughs> and Nicolas Cage is one of those actors that when you let him choose scenery, he tends to do a little bit better. A little bit like Leonardo DiCaprio. Mhm. But, you you want, the, you
0: want the signature cage freak out
3: a little bit but yeah
2: he's very subdued in this
3: uh, I could I actually liked him being a little bit more subdued the problem I think for me was uh, he wasn't subdued in the wrong way I it was more he was subdued and then the points when I felt he shouldn't have been subdued he didn't I mean even Keanu Reeves in John Wick knew when to go from subdued kind of straight man to
2: Yeah, I feel like this is the same argument we have about Robert Downey Jr. in Civil War, where it's like, alright, you, you something has just antagonized you in a way that you should emotionally respond. Emotionally respond! No, no, no. Not slip! Not slip! I need emotion. Uh, so- Unfortunately,
0: Robert, your argument is invalid with the Nicolas Cage performance for one reason. Alright. You didn't have to sit
3: through Jujitsu. Oh my
2: god!
3: <laughs> uh. No, but I did sit through Sorcerer's Apprentice, which has a bit of the same problem when it comes to his performance.
2: Well, no. That one wasn't my no, fault. No, no,
0: no, 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 no! Sorcerer's Apprentice is nowhere near as bad as Jujitsu. You, oh no, not get to pull that card, Mister. No, no, no! I,
3: I, I say that because more people have seen Sorcerer's Apprentice, and as I mentioned, you all have my sympathy for sitting through jiu-jitsu. That was. That had to have been painful.
2: Okay, Joe Bell fell from 11 to 16. The Hitman's wife, bodyguard, 14 to 17. In the heights, 16 to 18. Peter Rabbit 2, 15 to 19. And finally, rounding out the top 20 is The Conjuring. Uh, Some others of note Raya and the Last Dragon actually went up a few places from 25 to 22. Nine Days debuted at 26. Enemies of the State debuted at number 33. Never going to snow again at 35. Um, And that is, oh, and Werewolves Within, which we covered on this network, uh, fell from 38 to 40. Um, considering it's on VOD, no, I am not not at all. Uh, worldwide, here's where we stand, and we'll move on from here. Um, well, we finally have some movement. Uh, Fast 9 has, we... Fast 9 is now at number 3, as opposed Wasn't to 4 a... or 5.
3: Wasn't it 3 last time we did
2: this? And like it did, was. I don't know. Um, but Hi, Mom, and Detective Chinatown 3 still rule the box office worldwide at 822 and 686 apiece. The aforementioned F9 at 642. And Godzilla just and just... Kong... Just consider out. that.
3: Just consider that drop from two to three, mm-hmm. a north of two hundred million dollar drop between Detective Chinatown three and Fast Nine.
2: Twenty $20 Forty million. in six eighty
3: six to six forty two. Oh, sorry, I. No, I'm. Uh, your screen was a little bit blurry for me there. My mistake. Never okay. mind. Carry on.
2: Uh, Godzilla versus Kong has stalled out at just under five hundred million. Black Widow rising up at three hundred and forty three million. Quiet Place Part Two. Two hundred and ninety three million. What was the budget on that, Robert? Do you remember?
3: Oh, pretty small.
2: Okay, so that uh, one was a I want, so that one I want, was at least a wild win for Paramount.
3: I feel like that uh, I feel like that thing was like less than twenty million.
2: Okay, so so while Paramount lost shit tons of money on Snake Eyes, they did not lose shit tons of money on a Quiet Place Part two. Okay, so we're right having direction. a fifty fifty year.
3: Somewhere between fifty-five and sixty-one million, but you're still dealing with a fairly significant success.
2: Cruella at 221 million, Conjuring 197, Impasse at 181, and Chinese Doctors rounding up the top ten at 176. Rounding out the top 20 worldwide are Writer's Odyssey, Sister, Tom and Jerry, Ryan the Last Dragon, Space Jam. Wow, right in a row. My Love, Wrath of Man, Detective Conan, Evangelion, and uh, um, not I feel even I in feel, the not I feel even like
3: you in do the that just to annoy me.
2: Not even in the top twenty. Mortal Kombat, <laughs> um, uh, the Forever Purge, and currently uh, Jungle Cruise. We'll see where it goes the rest of the year. However, um, gosh, in the Heights, in the Heights, not even in the top twenty. That's currently sitting at thirty-seven. Why
3: are serious question? Why are people surprised at that?
2: What in the Heights?
3: Yeah. Why? Why? Are, why is anyone surprised at how that movie performed?
2: Um, because
0: lin-manuel miranda and hamilton
2: well that and the greatest showman made a lot of money so now all musicals have to make a lot of money all the time
0: okay
3: if that's your takeaway allow me to do a couple of things here
2: <laughs> well Very look t- leave your pants on sir just, just
3: hang on
0: You have
3: pants. On, uh sort of oh god <laughs> dude
2: do your thing come on i gotta do the calendar and then we gotta move on
3: yeah yeah hamilton had broad appeal to a wide swath of not just the country, mostly the United States, but slightly broader. The greatest showman had a very charismatic lead.
2: And also wide appeal. Who doesn't love the circus?
3: That's true. And, and now, In the Heights has limited appeal. In fact, very limited appeal. It you... overperformed in that particular five block stretch of New York City. Everywhere else kind of just shrugged. Yeah. Did not have a notable lead to help uh, to help balance that, and didn't really have the same kind of Broadway uh, notoriety that Hamilton did. Hamilton had a very successful, you know, uh, theatrical is the wrong, theatrical in the sense that you know the, the 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 theater, not the cinema. Hamilton gained a lot of buzz. It toured very successfully. A lot of people knew about it if they hadn't already seen it before the before it was released. Like that, this had. None of those factors going for it, and yet everyone's surprised when it kind of bombs because we think Lin Manuel Miranda walks on water or something. Like this doesn't well, make sense.
2: Look, look. In terms of you know the gross population of minorities, it's whites, blacks, Hispanics. Figure you know, and Hispanics are a burgeoning pop uh, population to say the least. One would assume if you if you're just thinking about this on a very general level, you know, as an executive and you're looking at pictures to green light and someone presents. You know, musical Lin Manuel Miranda Hispanics. You figure Hispanics and whatever variety they come in will go see this motion picture. Why well, um, is it's...
3: that a deeply, deeply incorrect way to view a a huge swath well, of the human Well, it wouldn't have gotten
2: lit if people weren't thinking that way. Is my point?
3: Of course. And you... I'm not
2: a studio executive. No, what no, you no. no. That's like, how I, they think.
3: I, I get that. Like, y- you go to the you go to the studio executive and say, "This is about you know Latin people in." Washington Heights in New York at X period of time, and they go. Done oh. by the
2: Hamilton guy in it's a musical. Okay, and you had me a musical.
3: And they go, okay, yay, Latin people are like, oh no, just people from the Dominican Republic specifically. <laughs> What's the Dominican Republic again? We're not getting, we're not getting all these. The
2: South American contingent is not showing up for this. Dominican Republic, isn't that part of the United States? No, sir, that's Puerto Rico. Um, oh, I think. Yeah. I was- I think I went there with my family. No, sir. That's the island Disney owns for their cruise lines. Never mind. Never mind. All
3: right. Anyone thinking that was going to be wildly successful is not thinking clearly.
2: Yep. Well, um, the Jungle Cruise was a lovely movie and it made it you know, and it was number one, as we've just said. It isn't going to be this weekend. This weekend, despite being rated R and despite being Dame Date on HBO Max, the number one movie of this next coming weekend will be The Suicide Squad. In it's all getting probability. We'll, we'll be talking about it a week from today, uh, in our usual time slot. But I will tell you right now, it's ag- it's getting rave reviews. People just love James Gunn, despite, you know, his picadillos on Twitter. Um People are people who can. Unfortunately, do-
3: James Gunn <laughs> seems to be the one person that everyone's willing to go. Hey, you said that eight and a half years ago. How about we put proper context into these? Or oh, you, your tweets from well, a decade ago should not be held against you currently. He makes
2: movies that many that many adults like, so he gets away with it. Um, anyway, so so Jungle Cruise will lose to the Suicide Squad this weekend. And then the following weekend, uh, Robert has the day off from this one, but Alexis and I will be doing a midday review of Free Guy, and that'll be the number one movie of that weekend.
3: I'm not as convinced about that one.
2: You don't have a child. You don't have a child that likes video games, joined by uh, joined by adults who love video games and go see stuff related to video games. Video games. Okay.
0: Um, I yeah, I was gonna say I gotta go find a movie theater near Disney World to go watch that.
2: Yeah, there's right. One on Disney property. There's an AMC. Um, on uh, D- D- Disney, the Disney Downtown Disney.
0: Disney. Yeah, no I was thinking about, about checking guys. out the one on City Walk. I heard that's a gorgeous theater.
2: Um, the weekend of August twentieth, there's nothing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> wide releases are as follows. If you if you recognize any of these or want to go see them, take a drink. You've got the Night House from Searchlight Pictures in wide release. The Protégé um, from Lionsgate in wide release. And then you've got Finch from Universal Pictures with Tom Hanks in wide release, the Paw Patrol movie from Paramount. They pulled clippers, but not Paw Patrol. P-
3: Paramount desperately wants at least one win this year. <laughs> well, they got
2: it. They got it with the Quiet Place.
3: No, no, they, they need something they can sell to the kids. So oh, Paw okay.
2: Um, you have Reminiscence, which is Warner Brothers' Day and Date oh, on I HBO Max, starring Hugh Jackman.
3: I'm so glad I don't have any any problems seeing that. I des- I really want to see that movie. Okay. I finally saw a trailer for it and was like, oh, finally. Something I might actually want to enjoy watching.
2: <laughs> All right. Let me know if you actually want to talk about it. I know you don't always, so you know it's, it's totally up to you. I don't right. care either way. Um, I will let the- you
3: know after I see it if it's worth having a discussion about.
2: Sounds great. And then finally, the number one movie of August 27th will be Candyman. It has zero competition, just something in limited release from Saban Films called The Colony, but who cares? Um, So that is the story of Jungle Cruise at this point. One, uh, One weekend all to itself, and then a bunch of other weekends where it's got some pretty stiff competition.
3: I fully expect it to wind up turning a profit after it's all said and done. so uh, do I.
2: I just, you know, the the, the question was, will it? Uh, will have a will have a run in the number one spot, and it won't. It probably not. All right. With that said, uh, so, here we go yeah. with the was Robert's favorite segment, the critical review. Are you ready?
4: Yeah. No, I said.
1: no 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 no
2: all right with a fresh rating of 63 so more critics than not liked it had a nearly perfect audience score which means just about everybody loved it so let's let's look in on some of the critics who didn't get it who hated it who hate their jobs so on and so forth uh annie bundell of nbc news think and think is an all capital letters so you know it's thoughtful oh yeah Ultimately, Jungle Cruise is just not good enough to make viewers forget this is a film designed to bring Disney fans back to the parks. What a cynical point of view.
3: Well, I mean, it's not entirely—it's not entirely wrong about. What to make fans
2: go back to the parks. It's to make fan. It's to make fans go back to the movies to see more of these things. Come on.
0: I was going to say, yeah, this is clearly somebody who just sits and crosses their hand, go, going, "I don't like that this movie is designed to make money."
3: I don't know. I. I don't know how they would sequelize this let me put it that way
2: hey um while you gather your thoughts let me i forgot to do this uh i want to remind people that this segment is brought to you by grammarly grammarly's ai uh powered products do something help you communicate more effectively like i just didn't Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar punctuation and spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. To download Grammarly today, go to getgrammarly.com W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com W2M network to download Grammarly for free. You were saying, Robert.
3: Oh, I'm just looking at some of the rest of these people and going, well, Rolling Stone and The Atlantic are both about to have job openings.
2: <laughs> well, let's talk about Rolling Stone for a moment. By the way, your, um, our, your utterly uh, infuriating take on variety every time I post a news article from that site. Not an editorial where your constant lambasting would be appropriate, Don't but care. the new fucking news reporting that Don't comes care. out of variety and you go into apoplexy. Don't care. Your take, your take on variety is how I feel about Rolling Stone. And so here we go, David you Fear. You
3: wouldn't, you wouldn't wipe your ass with it.
2: I would not wipe my ass with Rolling Stone. I would not use it to, as kindling for a fire while I go camping with my family. You fucks, David Fear, of Rolling Stone, top critic it's something closer to an amusement park attraction named generic blockbuster cruise where you slowly glide past a bunch of prefab setups and and the whole thing moves inexorably forward on a track while a skipper cracks the same corny jokes. I'm sorry you had to see this movie, sir. Stop stabbing yourself in the leg with a fork. Somebody or, you know,
0: re- I was going to say, I get the feeling somebody really doesn't like the Jungle Cruise ride originally and just couldn't get into the movie based off of it.
3: Or if you're going to stab yourself with a fork, I suggest aiming at your neck.
0: <laughs> but no, seriously, I get the feeling that I'm predicting already that a handful of these are going to be people who either A, don't like the Jungle Cruise ride, or B, don't like the Disney parks.
2: It is amazing to me how, as a professional reviewer, some of these people have a distinctive psychological inability to think critically about things they personally don't like. I mean, yeah. that's kind that, of the that's kind of the shtick of this show is that was really definitely- the- that Go was ahead. the genesis of this segment. <laughs> <laughs> like, these <Right>. idiots. <laughs> like, you're supposed to... Your job is to think critically and objectively about the film you're reviewing. Not, you know, not <laughs> give an editorial on your personal point of view. I, are, just, I
0: was going to say, we already have other people on this network who tend to do that.
2: <laughs> and, and that is their right when when their time comes. This is not... The, you know, know your venue. Speaking of knowing your venue, David Sims of The Atlantic... Uh, top critic. Though Jungle Cruise has moments of trashy fun, such as Flemons' goofy performance, this particular film overall is smoothed out in service of broad Disney accessibility. Have you not seen a Disney movie before, sir?
3: How (laughs) dare this broad... How dare this wide-release blockbuster try to appeal to a wide segment of the population? Oh, and by the way, you you sanctimonious prick... The only fun you can find in this movie you have to describe as trashy because you ride for the vaunted Atlantic, which is another publication best used to line kitty boxes. <laughs> you mean bird cages? No, no I kitty mean, boxes. No, I mean uh, this. That publication reeks of cat piss.
2: <laughs> Alexis, we uh, we mansplained all over you. You were gonna say something.
0: I was just going to ask, what is with so many reviewers suddenly hating Disney?
2: It's the it's the in thing to do. You know, the, the, it is it is great and powerful, like Oz, and therefore um, the uh, the intelligentsia must turn their nose up at it so as to seem it, cool. to Look, these, these
3: self involved, airheaded douchebags have to decide that there's certain look. There's other Disney movies they can't crap on when they should. None of these people had a bad thing to say about Cruella. All
2: right. But the, jungle cru-
3: but the Jungle Cruise comes along and how dare someone enjoy a classic adventure style movie designed to be accessible to the widest possible audience. This is crap. A 40 minute montage of Emma Stone in quasi high fashion set to music, the licensing fees of which drove the budget through the frickin' roof. This is art. Nah, right there.
0: For the record, I would be more upset about this if I knew that Jungle Cruise was changing to include a Dwayne Johnson animatronic. But from what I've seen, all they're doing is removing a couple of the uh, native uh, tribe animatronics because they realize those really aren't PC anymore.
2: Kevin A. Ransom of MovieCrypt.com. Plays like a fantastic tale fit for toddlers fleshed out with sequences giving those same children nightmares. Any goodwill the film earns is squandered in dropped story threads and plot execution. Eh. What
3: do you mean drop... Hang on, hang on, hang on. What do you mean dropped plot... What do you mean dropped story threads? I'm genuinely curious which of the story threads in this story about three people going up the Amazon chased by undead conquistadors and the Germans... You thought was dropped.
2: Tom Shone of the Sunday Times, UK. Blunt is her usual brisk, honeyed self, but Johnson plays comedy like he's doing power lifts. Women good, men bad. I'm sorry, you, I had that What? You
3: sir are an idiot.
0: <laughs> Johnson. Okay, I'm. I'm just gonna say this. I don't think Dwayne Johnson is a bad actor. He has shown. So much growth since he's come for WWE and SNL sketches, and I thought he was pretty damn funny in this. Well, yeah,
3: this person is not aware that his that the bad dad jokes are supposed to be bad, and thinks that The Rock is acting in earnest. Like that's the only explanation for this stupidity.
0: Fun fact, by the way, I did a little uh, researching about uh, the the Jungle Cruise ride. You know uh, who was actually actually did work as a skipper for some time at Disney World or Disneyland? Kevin Costner.
2: I can does see that.
3: Su- does not surprise me at all.
2: I wouldn't also be surprised if he did that as an actual part time job after Waterworld bombed.
3: <laughs> you know they're working
2: you know they're wait, working on a wait.
3: On. You know if, they're working on a sequel to that, right?
2: I heard, I heard. And I be adding that to the list. You know, if, uh,
3: if further, hang on, for the record, if you ever get a chance to go to the Universal Studios, uh, I think either in California or in, a, in either location, uh, they actually have a Water World show that's pretty good. They're, one of the live action kind of things they'll do for the fans there. Is, uh, I went there when I was, uh, my last time, I, w- I have a friend who works in Universal, so we got to go in and we got to skip all the lines and go through all the fun stuff. That was a, That was kind of a blast.
2: Carlo Renata of The Curvy Film Critic, one of Robert's favorites. <clears throat> Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson are hilarious and their chemistry is insane. However, it's not enough to save this high on action, low on substance fantasy action adventure.
0: Yeah. Wow. Somebody <laughs> really was demanding more from this. It's like, I'm sorry. Well, what do you
2: expect?
0: I mean, this, I mean that in say, all
3: sincerity.
0: It's, <laughs> say, it's It's a family fantasy adventure film. You're you're not going to get Lord of the Fucking Rings out of this,
2: <laughs> Candace McMillan uh, of Seattle, refined, refined, Robert Seattle, Seattle, refi- the, the home of heroin and heroin overdoses and grunge music, and refined
3: and violent, fiery riots <laughs> and,
2: and, and and bricks going through a Starbucks and Starbucks
3: and one of the worst homeless population crises in the. Uh, among the three western states all of which have them all those Please these, get on with road. it. No, no, I have to roast Seattle some more.
2: <laughs> no, no, no.
3: Home of the home of one of the saddest franchises in football that being the Seahawks who couldn't win the Super Bowl with the best running back in the game on the one yard line.
2: Refined the two leads are a majority of the draw and nearly 100% of the reason Jungle Cruise makes it to its destination. Sputtering in a wonky boat on an unconventional mission. God, I hate reviews like this. We get them all the time where it's like, what are you reviewing? Jungle Cruise. Okay, here's a list of words that I can associate <laughs> yeah. with this fucking thing. Let me try to shoehorn them in there.
0: I was going to say, how that doesn't sound like a review. It sounds like somebody grabbed a thesaurus and described the plot.
3: I, I mean I'm serious. How far that. can I how far can I stretch this metaphor and how many different thesaurus links can I make? It's pathetic. It really yeah.
0: is. I am sorry, maybe I missed part of it, but from what you said there, Mark, I can't gather if that person was being positive or negative.
3: Negative. <laughs> These are all negative he's reading at the moment.
2: And Todd Jorgensen of Cinemalog. As its cat and mouse plot becomes waterlog. Oh. <sighs> oh, <I'd> be <laughs> Get bent. <laughs> Waterlogged on a boat. John got- Cruise. Cruise is on boats. Boats I- are on water. Get it? I got a log
3: for you, buddy.
2: <laughs> this is a family show, sir. That's why I said it the way I did. <laughs> Waterlogged by supernatural twists and the contrived peril morphs of the film into another action hero vehicle for Dwayne Johnson, the guy that does action movies. You dumb fuck. The emotional stakes remain docked. So when when they were pitching Jungle Cruise, was there somebody in there like <laughs> Jungle Cruise, but it's a romance? Jungle Cruise, but it's a horror story. <laughs> <laughs> like Tom Cruise but it's a but it's a dramatic uh, meditation on civil rights. I what the fuck were they thinking that was going to happen with this movie?
3: I don't know, but this idiot.
0: <laughs> he probably did. I'm guessing this guy didn't think Francisco's story was engaging enough cuz so he essentially sat there going, so what happens if they fail? I don't care.
2: Uh Kevin Lee Lee, Kevin L Lee of Film Inquiry. It is far from cringe or embarrassment, and sh- and sure, it's never act- actively terrible. All right? But the bar shouldn't be set this low. This is a Disney adventure blockbuster led by Emily Blunt and Dwayne Johnson. We should have gotten something better than this. No, sir. As somebody who um, mucks about in the slop of film the way I do, I have seen Disney by itself do so much worse. This was great by comparison. Yikes. This is someone whining just to whine.
3: This yeah. is a this is a bitchy malcontent. Look at look at all the qual. Hang on, g- Scroll back up for just a second. Look at all the qualifiers he puts on this. Well, it's not an embarrassment, and it never becomes cringeworthy. And boy, do the Rock and Emily Blunt have a lot of chemistry. But really, I have to bitch about this because I'm a.
2: But it wasn't Schmigadoon, <laughs> which apparently is the rage right now.
3: Yeah, just like. That's ridiculous. Here's all the reasons it's good. But boy, do I wish the bar were a little bit higher, and shame on this movie for clearing a lower bar. You are not the arbiter of the bar, sir. All
2: right, last one, and then we'll call it a day. Uh, Casey Chong of The Cinemaholic. Jungle Cruise runs too long at a little over two hours. Ma'am! Ma'am! <laughs> Well, or whatever you may be or identifying as—that's—that's that's not an
3: We both mentioned the pacing and runtime issues. That's pacing. There. Okay,
2: pacing is not runtime, though. In two hours is the average length of a feature,
0: uh,
3: which is a trend I don't care for. I miss just minutes. All right.
0: I bye. think I was gonna say, whoa! Uh, sorry, driving through skunk country. I just got hit in the nose. No, I think the only time I complained about the runtime was since I was watching it so late last night. I just paused and I'm like. Crap! I'm not
2: going to bed till four a.m. Um, I'm gonna read. So I'm gonna finish reading this, but then I'm gonna read a fresh one. But because it's Amy Nicholson and she's a moron, um, okay. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna read it anyway, and I think it's a good one to end on. But let me finish with K- Casey Chung, who or whoever you may be. Uh, Jungle Cruise runs too long in a little over two hours, and it doesn't help when the story is nothing more than a generic action adventure that shamelessly rips off other like-minded genre films. You know, in the in the golden age of uh, the talkies, where genre films were all the rage, I can just imagine like these people, like why are why are we making so many Three Stooges movies? Because they make money, you fucking asshole! Jeez. You don't really. Right.
3: Really, uh, these three stooges—you know—they have some decent chemistry between them. But could (laughs) they not rip off Charlie Chaplin, please? What the? All of these Clint Easton westerns—I'm just so (laughs) (laughs) up. The spaghetti spaghetti western. Can we get? Look, this Sergio Leone fellow—I don't know where he. I really wish he wouldn't rip off a fistful of dollars or. Listen, Albert
2: Hitchcock, you fat fuck! Make a comedy for Christ's sake. (laughs) That's so
3: stupid. (laughs)
2: Yeah, it's, well, Amy Nicholson of Film Week, KPCC, NPR, Los Angeles, top critic. This lady needs to, I don't know, go for a long walk.
3: One NPR in general.
2: (laughs) Uh, I'm impressed that it wasn't dumb. Yikes.
3: Well, aren't you just the condescending parrot standing at the Special Olympics?
2: It's just energetic. I think Dwayne the Rock Johnson and Emily Blunt have an okay chemistry, but because I'm a girl, I will also say the following: But Blunt here is great. I'll what?
3: potentially forgive that last sentence because the ellipses indicate Wait, there's what? some sort of qualification that's that's missing. But boy, is that a ridiculous sentence!
2: <laughs> I'm sorry. Let me look for. I think Alexis needs Who me to the repeat
0: hell it. that?
2: I think Dwayne the Rock Johnson no, and Emily I Blunt don't. have. Both have an okay chemistry but blunt here is great
3: again there's some kind of middle of that last sentence that's cut out there's something missing there but i don't know what you could input there that would help make that less stupid
2: look i'm all for when, when an actress of the female persuasion thus being an actress Um, does an outstanding job and is better than her male counterpart, I'm perfectly happy to say so. And it happens all the time. This is not a a novel thing. But you can tell some of these people, because they have a vagina, have to inordinately promote the woman in whatever thing they're looking at, whether it deserves it or not. Amy Nicholson, you are that vagina.
3: Yeah, remember what she said about Wonder Woman 84 and how great a movie that was?
2: She's not dependable.
3: At all. (laughs) At all. She is as reliable as his NPR's reporting. Ugh. Just to say not.
2: Well, folks, that's our review of... <laughs> for those of you left, that's our review of Jungle Cruise. Um, go ahead and check out uh, our companion piece to this. Alexis and I did a review of Seekers of the Weird, which was uh, better than... A- Based on a not built attraction from a Disney theme park that was supposed to be a attachment to the Haunted Mansion. Tomorrow, myself and Sean Comer will review the Country Bears, and then we are done with the Disney theme park attraction crap for the time being. Oh, but wait! You can also can you hear Robert that and I. Now? <laughs> you can also hear Robert and I review Tomorrowland. Got it right that time. Um, that's up in the archives. Plus, all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies were, were reviewed once or twice or thrice on this network in some form or fashion. So uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Tomorrowland, Country Bears, Secrets of the Weird, and now Jungle Cruise, it's all there for your Disney theme park attraction uh, enjoyment. Alexis Haina, you're driving to a convention to sell your wares. Talk to people about that.
0: Yep, Honeysuckle Rose Creations, the intersection of geek and chic, and we are on our way to MegaCon. And we'll really? week at uh, Disney World, because damn it, I deserve a vacation. After that, we're going to be at Planet Comic Con here in Kansas City. Following after that, we're going to be at the Colorado Springs Comic Con, which I am embarrassed to admit I actually completely forgot that I bought a table for until I got an email a few weeks ago. I'm like, oh, yeah. Followed after that at the Cincinnati Comic Expo in September. Of course, our shops are fully stocked online at Etsy and handmade at Amazon. And, you can, and for those in the Kansas City area, we have two local shops that are currently selling our wares. We are at Level 1 Game Shop at the River Market area and Mind Games and Magic in Lee's Summit. Hopefully we're going to be having some more shops uh, around uh, Kansas City and maybe even a little bit further out selling our wares. Fingers crossed. But until then, hey, if you are in Orlando, I really hope to see you guys at MegaCon. We're debuting a bunch of brand new stuff. We're going to have so much fun. Can't wait to see you all there. Mark, can't wait to see you and your daughter there, Robert. Do you want me to punch Mark in the face or the stomach on your behalf?
3: Uh, Just hit him in the shoulder.
0: Shoulder? Okay.
3: Look, you're going to be taking a lot of pictures. He doesn't need a black eye, and he's got enough mouth and, like, he's got enough health problems. Don't hit him in the body. That's just mean.
0: But you just said Shoulder.
2: Well, he meant okay. he meant the torso area.
3: Yeah, like don't don't hit the bottom. This
2: all here, all of this. Don't don't none of this. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Avoid the abdomen.
0: Avoid yeah, the abdomen. Go for the upper torso. Got if
3: you're it. feeling really mean, kick him in the calf.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can I, I can actually show you a tattoo I have on my calf. You can kick me in.
0: Don't give the other uh, members of the broad of the Rattling Broadcasting Network ideas. Okay, they're probably going to ask me to take demands
2: robert do your plugs but do them quickly
0: Uh, because i've heard our plugs in the past and either they're
2: way out of date or we don't do half of them so just hit the big stuff
3: i got something i want to get out of the way before we get into plugs before i can do mine so this is our first episode uh we had one yesterday so we're in our set uh what did we what did you do yesterday we have a source material yesterday
2: yes Okay. We had a so couple f- of things yesterday, but yes.
3: Yeah, okay. So this is our second show for the month of August. This is currently August 3rd, 2021. Uh, looking at our numbers for the last couple of months, and I don't know if this is tacky or not, but I would like, I think we should set a goal for ourselves here. I think we can hit 2,000 downloads for the Rattles and Broadcasting that's for the month that's of that's August. August. So for all of you out there listening, you are what makes this whole thing work. So if you could please, uh, more so than ever, engage with the product a little bit, like, comment, subscribe, give us a review, and share us on your social network of choice, be that in person or via the internet. It all helps. Uh, that That would be greatly appreciated. We would like to continue growing this particular endeavor. So thank you very much. Let's see if we can hit that particular goal for the month. As for my plugs, I host the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast on Sundays. This last week is primarily a preview of UFC 265, which is Derek Lewis taking on Serial Gone for the interim heavyweight title. You can find my full preview of that wherever you're listening to podcasts. I also review the last uh, event, which was mostly okay, and uh, talk news of the week, such as it was. A couple of fights got made. One in particular. Someone's going to die. Michael Chandler and Justin Gaethje are going to fight. Someone's going to die. Uh, I covered AEW's Dark Elevation yesterday. That's in the Wrestling Zone of 411mania.com. Wednesday, whatever MLW puts out. And Fridays, I cover WWE SmackDown. And then Saturday, whatever the UFC is doing. So this week, UFC 265. That's all in either the Wrestling or MMA Zones of 411mania.com. So please stop by and check those out. And next week, we have Suicide Squad, which will be a discussion, I'm sure. (laughs)
2: <laughs> All right. That's it. Uh, thanks for listening to our review of Jungle Cruise. I'm Mark Radlich. Use Alexis Haina. That's Robert Winfrey. Be well, be safe, and behave.